It's time for Michigan's newest sports talk show, Mitt Madness. And here he goes. Defense win championship. Michigan sports talk from here in Battle Creek. The latest stories, the biggest games, all across the Mitten State. That's not something to play with. Streaming live and on demand on the 95.3 WBCK app. Here are your hosts, Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes. Hello there, good morning. Welcome in to Mid Madness 95.3 WBCK. Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes. Going to talk a whole lot of Michigan sports over the next hour. And not a bit of it's going to be football for once. <laughs> so it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have our picks. We'll talk Spartans, Wolverines, Red Wings, and even a little bit of Detroit Tigers, who, as you're listening today, are going to kick off their spring training at 1 o'clock, I believe. So we'll uh, cover all of that. But before we do, DJ, how's it going, man? Uh, I'm doing all right. Can't, can't complain too much. Basketball is almost over with. Uh, at the high school level, which means I can jump right into lacrosse. I won't be doing all the announcing when I leave this radio place. I'll be going and coaching and blowing whistles and yelling at kids every day. So I uh, <laughs> couldn't be more excited to get back out on the field and, and get ready for that aspect. Uh, but, I mean, the best part of the year is coming up. March is right around the corner. Uh, I'm excited for where sports are heading. This is like the golden part of sports for me is where I'm getting college lacrosse, pro lacrosse, college basketball the nba finals are getting ready to come up but so are the the stanley cup playoffs like it's the best part of all the best sports coming together at once couldn't be more excited yeah i'm very excited for march madness i'm very excited for uh stanley cup playoffs as well uh i'll say on the lacrosse front because i don't i don't know anything about lacrosse but you know first of all good luck to you and your your squad this year but i saw a very interesting thing about college lacrosse this past week florida is going to be in the big 12 just for women's lacrosse yeah it's it's so because there's no women's lacrosse in the sec right now none none at all none clemson join or their ACC so they joined the ACC when they got their women's team started but yeah there's no SEC women's teams at all um Florida was playing Big Ten before maybe I mean I couldn't even remember because they've been they've been around for a little bit yeah um but they like that's kind of how it is like for example Utah and men's they play in the A-Sun because there's no other Pac-12 teams well there's, now there will be yeah. none at all. Right. But <laughs> up until this time, there were no Pac-12 teams playing either. So you kind of just get in where you can in terms of other conferences that have, uh, you know, lacrosse and, and a conference for you to play in. Or you can just fly independent and try your best. But we know how that goes for tournament, you know, vows. You don't want to be independent. Let's get into it with uh, we're going to start things off with the Michigan State Spartans. So you and I have been kind of hyping up the Spartans here for the past couple of weeks, right? We, we absolved them for the loss to Minnesota and said, you know what? This run that they're on right now is exceptional. And they're putting themselves in a really good space when it comes to Big Ten tournament seating and NCAA tournament seating. Now, it looks like, you know, they're going to they're going to be in the March Madness high. They think it would take some absolute devastation over their last four games to miss out on the NCAA tournament. It's possible. Don't think it's likely. However, they did themselves no favors when they lost to the Iowa Hawkeyes the other night, 78 to 71, and uh, it wasn't particularly close. 
Now, Iowa is, hey, we said it before the show, that's a strange team over there. Very up and down. They're, it feels like they're more successful than even they should be, but based off of past successes, they should be better than what they are. And Michigan State, who was a team that we thought was on such a high upward trajectory, especially to close out this season, they dropped this game at home to the Hawkeyes, and it just leaves like a sour taste in your mouth. Even if you're not a Spartan fan, you're just watching this from the outside and saying, well, you know, let's have some success from the state of Michigan here, guys. And things just did not go their way at all. Uh, With eight turnovers and shooting 45% from the field, that ends up kind of being the difference. So they did shoot 50% from three. Didn't help them enough to to pull this one out. DJ, what's what what's your takeaway from the the Spartans losing this one to Iowa? Uh that you just caught a weird team on a weird night and didn't play your best. Uh, I think it was yeah. literally just an off night by state and the on night by Iowa, which has happened a couple times this year for Iowa. Uh they ran into an off night for Wisconsin and they were on that night and they beat Wisconsin Wisconsin as well. Um, but that's also happened around not only the Big Ten, but the country in college basketball yeah. all year. Um, there was an, uh, Kentucky got upset this weekend as well uh, by like two at uh, by LSU at the last second. Like yeah. uh, Purdue got upset by Northwestern earlier this year in a game where they just didn't show up. Uh, Purdue lost to someone at our uh, Iowa women's just lost the other night as well by like four because not that Kaylin Clark didn't show up, but the rest of her team didn't. It's a part of college basketball this yeah. year. There are no teams <laughs> that are far and above everybody else unless your name's UConn. Yeah. So I, far, it looks Michigan like you beat Wisconsin. We saw how the season started for Michigan State. It's been a strange season where there's just a lot of parity. And it's actually kind of nice to see. It's just a little frustrating when it comes to the way that we thought the Spartans would be able to close out this season. I mean, I think they're still fine. I think they're still riding nice momentum to head into the playoffs and play very well yep. um, and, and you know, solidify a spot in the tournament for them. But, I mean, realistically, it's it's up in the air for anyone that is not UConn, in my opinion. Like, UConn's the only team I feel safe penciling into the Elite Eight. Literally, I don't feel safe penciling anybody. I don't even know into the Sweet 16 right now. How many brackets are you going to put together then? They're like 10. (laughs) I'm going to make so many brackets because literally from day one, it feels like anybody can win outside of UConn, which is the only team who truly looks like leaps and bounds, steps ahead of everybody else. Everybody else is on even playing field. If you come out and you miss your first 10 shots, you better make your next 20 or you're losing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who you're out there playing. So I'm excited for what the tournament's going to be. It's going to be one of those years where my boss is probably going to walk in on me here with laptop and a couple screens playing games <laughs> when I should be working. But the games are going to be way too good to not have them on. Yeah, same. They're, uh, you know, one of, one of the perks of an office job where you have two screens – March Madness, one of them screens is getting used. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, Sunday, the Spartans will take on Iowa State, or Iowa State, Ohio State. Um, they're currently sixth in the the conference. And as it pertains to bracketology, uh, from Friday morning, I believe 
if I can find them again, seventh seed in the uh, South bracket paired up with uh, Virginia who fell down to the 10th seed in that's uh, Houston's bracket bracket as well. Um, I, is there, I, th- I feel like maybe the ones are probably kind of put in place a little bit already. Um, is there kind of a preference on, on where you want to be if you're Michigan state in this situation or just uh, actually, let it go? To be honest, I think seven might be a nice spot for them Um, because, sure, your second game may be against a two seed, but you beat that two seed. If Duke gets upset, which is not far stretched, you're playing a six, 11, a 14. And if you win three games in a row, I trust Michigan State to beat anybody if they can win three games in a row. Yeah. So, you know, being at a seven, you're kind of in that bottom half of the of your uh, side of the bracket, which gives you a chance to kind of gain some momentum because you're not playing the number one seed in your bracket until the elite eight. Yeah. If that's a, if that's how far you make it, so you have an opportunity to kind of use this momentum for the rest of this season into the Big Ten championship to play some solid competition around your skill level where you go out and you play, you're ready. You're winning games. And I, I think going back to the conversation we were talking about how this is kind of a weird college basketball season on the men's side is I think this is a year where you're pretty comfortable playing it too. Here's the two seeds right now on bracketology. Uh, for Michigan State in the, the south bracket, it's Tennessee. Then it's Kansas in the west. In the Midwest, it's Marquette. In the East, it's North Carolina. Those are all, don't get me wrong, they're all great teams. They're number two seeds. But those are all teams that you could realistically beat if you're the seven seed. And the three seeds, Duke, Creighton, Alabama, Iowa State. I'm not so sure you want to play those teams. So it actually kind of works out to be a seven uh, instead of a six. So maybe it's not the worst thing in the world for Michigan State to be where they're at now. A lot's going to happen over the next couple of games, though, because obviously after they get done with Ohio State to close out February, they kick off March with a trip down to Purdue, and that's going to shake up a lot of things with their seating, and then they have to close out with Northwestern Indiana, two pretty big teams, and of course it's the conference championship. So a lot could change, but as things stand right now, if, if I was a seven seed matched up with these two seeds, I'd feel a lot better than being a six seed matched up with the threes. I agree. And I mean, like I said, I don't feel safe picking anybody over anybody unless their name's UConn. Like right. <laughs> anybody is susceptible to losing to anyone. And the AQs that are in so far are some good teams. Like East Kentucky, solid. Merrimack is going to be solid. Indiana State, solid. They're giving Bama the, the AQ because I guess they're supposed to win. Uh, High Point is going to be solid with their AQ. Uh, Richmond would be a solid team if they get their AQ. Like Quinnipiac has shown some things not only in basketball but in other uh, sports across, uh, you know, their campus that when they get in, they're ready to play. Uh, Akron is going to play ball hard. The AQs are going to be teams to watch out for this year. Oakland looking to get an AQ as well. So this year is going to be crazy when it comes to bracketology. Yeah, and I wouldn't even – as as the resident Alabama guy, I wouldn't even <laughs> take that AQ for them because they still have to play Tennessee and they have Kentucky this weekend and a ranked matchup with, on the road at Florida. Uh, yeah, no thanks. Then they close out with Arkansas, which is a big rival for them in basketball. So, yeah, yikes. Uh, yeah, so uh, we won't 
touch on what's going on with Michigan. Uh, it's it's hard times, Denny, and it ain't getting better because they play Purdue this week. So uh, we'll we'll let that that sleeping dog lie for for another week. Uh, don't think Jawan Howard's going anywhere anyway. So we'll come back and uh, talk about the Red Wings, who had a massive win on Thursday night, and we'll also uh, kind of lo- look ahead with the the weekend ahead for them here on Mitten Madness ninety five point three WBCK. Madness 95.3 WBCK Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes Let's get on the ice Talk some Detroit Red Wings A huge, huge, huge win On Thursday night For the Red Red Wings Getting their first win over Colorado Avalanche in 10 meetings The last time they beat Colorado was in 2017 at the Joe. It's been a minute. Um, this one was actually kind of fun because I, uh, I I walked into a bar and the game just so happened to be on and Red Wings were down 1-0 early in the third and then stormed back and won this thing in overtime and it was a lot of fun to see their see their aggression, see how it uh, how it all came to be and how they were able to pull off this big win over a longtime rival. This brings the Red Wings up to 30 and 20 um, and uh, with six overtime losses that puts them at four in the division standings with 66 points. I mean, the Avalanche are one of the better teams in the entire NHL because uh, they're second in their division standings over there in the Central, only behind Dallas, and they're barely behind them with 75 points to Dallas' 76. So uh, absolutely monumental game for the Red Wings. That brings the, the Red Wings up in the uh, NHL power rankings from ESPN. They're at a 14, which is a stagnated space for them. Um, but, I mean, nonetheless, that puts them kind on that cusp of being a, a playoff team and a team that is I, I've, I've kind of been a little hesitant over these past couple of weeks because their trends have been a little bit wonky but a three game winning streak over the Flames cracking and now the the Avalanche with a game later today as you're listening on uh, against the Blues I mean, kind of setting up for some fun stuff here with the Red Wings I think oh yeah the, the Red Wings are in get, uh, great shape oh man I couldn't talk there for a second <laughs> I, I, I'm just actually really excited looking at the standings um, you know only being a couple game. It looks, looks to be about four games back at Toronto for third in the Atlantic. Obviously, you know, Boston's running away with it right now, but we're only six actual points behind Toronto, uh, which is doable within the last couple of weeks of the season before playoffs start. But the more exciting part of that is when you scroll over to wildcard, the Wings hold a couple games on the Lightning, and, and we're now in that one spot in the wildcard over the two, which is much more favorable. That's where you want to be because then, okay, sure, you have a little bit of a cushion now. You lose a couple of these games, you're going to drop to two instead of out of the wild card. And with the way that they're trending, we get a couple losses from, you know, the, the Maple Leafs. We can jump right up into that third spot and be solidified in the playoffs and not so worried about wild card and who's coming up behind us. That's that spot up there feels just a little more uh, protected. Um, I just like really the excitement and, and the energy and the cohesiveness that this group plays with. They really enjoy not only playing in Little Caesars Arena, not only playing for Detroit and representing the Red Wings in the original six team, but playing for each other. And that means a lot. When you have a group of guys who want to play for each other or a group of women that want to play for each other at any level of any sport, you can see it and how it comes out in their play. And that's what the Red Wings have right now. And it's showing something special. Yeah, and they've got a, uh, a big weekend ahead. We're going to actually pick these games later on uh 
later today at noon, they've got St. Louis. And then tomorrow, they've got a, a road trip to Chicago. I, I would say, uh, I think a big part, and I feel like I've kind of mentioned this before, but a big part of what's going on with the Red Wings and why just, it, they're one of those teams where it's like, if if they can just hold serve, right? Like they don't, they don't really need to get above wild card, right? You don't need to put that kind of pressure on them or anything like that. They can just hold serve and be in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They're going to be all right because of who they play their best seemingly against the best teams that they've played and kind of looking ahead on their their schedule, they're not running into a lot of those teams anymore, <laughs> right? I'm not saying like they're going to coast the rest of the the way down through mid-April, but I mean, they they do meet Colorado again, they do meet Florida who's above them in in the Atlantic, but you know, you're not seeing the thing Bruins on there. Right, <laughs> you only see the the lightning once. You only see uh, Toronto once. It's it's kind of a favorable stretch to either improve or hold serve. But at the very least, when you're looking at this team that scores a lot of points, by the way, this this two points in this overtime game is the last time the was the first time they had scored two or fewer points in a month. They're good, <laughs> especially against other uh, good teams. Because we saw how they played against uh, Vancouver the first time around. We've seen how they performed formed against Tampa Bay and against uh, Los Angeles and against Toronto and against Boston. Like they match up well with the better teams. So I think they're a very dangerous team once we do get into the playoffs. So just holding serve is going to be enough. But I think looking down the stretch too, I mean, there, there's a possibility that could jump up even if it's not wholly necessary. Yeah, I agree. But it, I mean, it just feels better. Like yeah. I'm not, I don't, I will be happy if they stay right where they are and they're one or two in the wild card and we get in. That's perfectly fine. But I would be ecstatic if they were able to make their way up a little higher in the rankings and get one of those spots. But either way, the idea is just getting back to the playoffs. We had gone for 25 years in a row. We've been in a hiatus for quite some time. It would be nice to just get back. And we're in the position to do so. It's not hard. At this point, we just have to continue playing the way they have. You know, like... When you, when you look at it, they have a 16-goal differential, plus 16. And they're 6-3-1 and one in their last uh, 10 with a three-game win streak. Playing like that, you're going to continue to get into the playoffs. Now, looking at who's ahead of them, it's tough. It's tough. Boston, plus 39, 4-3-3 four, three and three in their last 10. Florida, plus 50, 8-2 in their last 10. Toronto plus 34, 8 and 2 in their last 10. And then in the rest of the Eastern Conference over in the Metro, the Rangers plus 35, 9 and 1 in their last 10. Carolina 8 and 2 last 10 plus 30. Uh, Flyers 5, 4 and 1 plus 4 in their last 10. The Rangers are on a nine game win streak, which is <laughs> insanity. <laughs> To think about so like the league's all over the place in terms of the eastern conference western conference is a little bit different the wings have their work pretty much cut out for them uh you continue to beat the teams that are under you compete with these teams above you maybe win a few and you'll see your spot either stay where it is or go back up yeah and i mean i think something that 
that gets lost a little bit, uh, especially, I don't know, just in the conversations that we've had. Florida and Boston are the top two teams in that power ranking from ESPN. We're talking about two of the very best teams in all of hockey are right here in the same division as Detroit. And Detroit has stacked up with them, right? I don't think that, I think they lost both series head to head, but. I will check that right now. Uh, I do know they won the, the, they're at least even or above on Toronto, and Toronto's only a couple of games ahead of them. And all three of them are top 10 teams in the NHL. Like, so they're, what, who they're behind right now is impressive stuff. But the fact that they've competed with them and they're likely to compete with them again, you know, they're, I, I feel like they're going to get another shot at Boston. They're going to get another shot. They, at, they split with Boston two and two. Okay. Uh, I think they, I, I do Florida. think they lost the series to Florida because I remember one to one at least. They are oh, one. They're one and one. They're one and ones right now. Yeah, they've got two more. So I that that's a huge opportunity <laughs> to to open and close March with with Florida. I mean, you just got to catch them at the right time, and you're and you're making waves in the playoff seating, and you're making waves in in what your kind of what your anticipation of yourself is once you do get into the playoffs. So again, I I just admire the fact of of what they're doing because. Again, this is a team that roared out of the start and didn't necessarily have these kinds of expectations. And it, it it's similar to the Lions in a certain respect, but the Red Wings have all this history, as you mentioned. So to, to finally kind of live back up to that and get into where they're trying to be, I just I find it all very very impressive, and now that that football's out of the way, I'm I'm excited to start watching these guys really put in the work. Yeah, and I mean nothing is more exciting than watching them kind of bring the Joe back to some sense. Like you can feel the energy that used to be in the Joe and LCA when the Wings are playing. You have the old goal horn. They're playing with the idea that they are the Detroit Red Wings and that they're a part of history. They're a team that is supposed to be in the playoffs, a team that is supposed to compete for Stanley Cups, and they're acting like it. And they're they're putting forth the work to make that happen. And nothing is sweeter about it than not only having a former Blackhawk and Patrick Kane on the team, but watching them absolutely be the worst team in the league while doing so. (laughs) It's just flat out amazing. So one last question before we go to break and and change topics. Uh, Last night, you know, I I learned a lot about the the Red Wings and Avalanche rivalry. Uh, I knew that they were rivals heading in, you know, when I saw the game was on. But I learned about why they were rivals. And uh, bartender was kind of telling me, you know, like, oh, this game doesn't kind of have the same feel that it used to have. And and I pulled up YouTube videos and watched everything that happened. And I was, whoo, violence, <laughs> right? Uh, do you think at all that uh, that this kind of win at home over time, two unanswered goals to, to get that first win in 10 years, first time they beat them in Little Caesars Arena, you think that kind of reignites that rivalry and, and helps set up for the next time that they play each other, uh, which is, I saw it a minute ago, not too far away, uh, the start of March. March 6th is when they'll play again. That time, they'll be in Colorado. Uh, I think it'll just continue to be what it has been. Like, those teams do not like each other. They will never like each other. And it's just going to be exciting because when you look at Kale McCarr, McKinnon, the guys that they have on that Avalanche team, Sider, uh, Larkin, Kane, the guys we have on the Swings team, 
It's going to be a battle back and forth for years, and it's not going to fix itself anytime soon. But I'm excited to continue to watch them play. I do have the wings coming out on top again, though. That is a just looking at that portion of the schedule. That's a tough, tough stretch right there where they've got uh, to start off March, Florida at home on the road at Colorado at Arizona and then at Las Vegas. Woof. Uh, that'll be fun. <laughs> Can't wait to get to that. All right. Well, uh, we'll take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk baseball. There's no crying in baseball. It's spring training. The De- Detroit Tigers are, are gearing up for their first outing in spring training. So uh, we'll, we'll discuss the Tigers and what the uh, outlook is for the 2024 season. And just remember, there is no crying in baseball. We'll be back here on Midman. It's 95.3. Detroit sports fans, Wolverines, and Spartans alike. This is your sports show, Mitten Madness, with Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes on 95.3 WBCK. Here on Mitten Madness 95.3 WBCK, Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes. It's time to talk some baseball. Uh, spring training is here in the majors. And uh, the Detroit Tigers are set to take on the Yankees a little bit later today, about 1 o'clock, down there at Publix Field in Lakeland, Florida, to kick off their spring training schedule. They'll play three games um, over the next couple of days, they've got the Rays and the Astros after the Yankees today. So in kind of previewing baseball a little bit, I mean, I know everybody is all pent up about the Los Angeles Dodgers, right? So all anybody wants to talk about is how they're going to win 140 games and it's going to be so fun and everything like that. But, but we're up here in Detroit, right? So we're going to talk about the Tigers and how hopefully they can win 77 games and maybe even 82. Maybe uh, something fun can happen. Kind of looking at the uh, stock, the, the stock watch uh, here for ESPN. They have the Detroit Tigers ranked at number 23 in all of the major leagues uh, with a projected win total of 77.3 and an 18% chance of making it to the playoffs. If you wanted to go all in on the maximum amount of games that they're going to win, it's 82. Kind of looking at their situation, uh, because we were joking before the show started that, you know, the Dodgers have all this money to spend. That's why they can go get Otani and everybody else to absolutely stack their roster and become this unprecedented force. Whereas, you know, the Tigers are one of those uh, small market teams in all actuality, based off of the amount of money that they can spend. I know Detroit is a big market, but, um, you know, in comparing them to the likes of Minnesota and Cleveland and Kansas City and, you know, the kinds of teams that just aren't able to spend top dollars to go get those game, those those franchise altering players. The Tigers kind of are where they are and they could spend money in free agency, but they kind of have to be intelligent about it and make sure that they're not playing their hand in, at an in, inopportune time. So with a young nucleus, 
Hopefully they can build that up into something special and along the way maybe even contend anyway and then make those big moves to uh, acquire talent that can put you over the top and make you playoff uh, successful rather than playoff hopeful. Um, So it's kind of an interesting season here for Detroit. I know last year injuries played a lot and then down the stretch, after a, a pretty average season down the stretch, things got really ugly. Uh, so now, as the spring gets underway, DJ, I toss it over to you on your thoughts early here on the Detroit Tigers. Uh, my biggest thing for this year is last year we were okay. Um, you know, Baez showed us some things that, that were solid. Torkelson was great. Um, Colt Keith at second base uh, was pretty decent. Zach McKinstry came off uh, the bench and shown us some things. The outfield was all right at best, but our biggest thing was pitching. Pitching, right? Looking at the bullpen, uh, Alex Lange, Tariq Skubal, Kent Ameda, Jack Flaherty, Reese Olsen, Casey Mize, Jason Foley, Shelby Miller, Will Vess, Andrew Chafin, and Tyler Holton. If those guys aren't on on their A game every single game, the Tigers don't have a chance. We can score runs. We can play some solid defense behind them, but they're not throwing a lot of strikes. The bullpen rotation last year was not great. It was not good enough for us to get back to being a playoff team at best. And until we have a successful rotation where we can count on two or three guys to throw strikes consistently – I don't think this team's going to get any better. Well, that's actually where ESPN looked when uh, an article on the one player to watch for all 30 teams in Detroit, they landed on a free agent signing for Detroit in the offseason. That's Jake Flaherty. Flaherty. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. I'm not a baseball guy. But in 2019, he had a fantastic campaign for the Cardinals. But in the years since, and 2019 is five years ago now, guys, uh, let that sink in. And in those years since, he's battled injuries and has a 4.42 ERA, uh, which was even worse last year at 4.99. He gets 14 mil this year to see if he can still be productive. uh, And kind of spring training is going to be his opportunity for that. So, uh, and actually, I think he's actually going to be the start here against the Yankees later today. So, it's a big opportunity for him, obviously, to kind of revive what he had uh, and give Detroit, you know, a shot in the arm of what they've needed, especially over the past season. I mean, hopefully we can get that ERA down some, and I think a little uh, some of that will help with the defense he has behind him. The Tigers' defense in the field is pretty solid um, and trustworthy. If he can throw some strikes, I would see that drop maybe to uh, the mid-threes three and a half, maybe a little higher. And and that's something we could probably do with. And we can, I, I'm okay losing some games three to two or winning a game four or three with some great batting or, you know, five, three, because we gave up a handful uh, due to his pitching. That's okay. But we can't have the entire rotation having a four, five, six ERA. Like that's yeah. not good. Yeah. All right. Last year, for Flaherty to keep it on him. Uh, he went 8-9 as a starter. He started 27 games. 
148 strikeouts and 17 home runs. Kind of is what it is at that point. So uh, biggest thing I think for Detroit is outside of fixing the pitching and obviously trying to just form that young nucleus as mentioned before. I think another thing is just staying healthy. It seemed last year, about the time that we started the show, every other day, it was just this dude's out for the rest of the year. This dude's out for the rest of the year. And and it didn't really kind of get any better. It's a long season, uh, and, it, and it happens to, to plenty of teams. But uh, kind of similar to the Red Wings, where it's just like, you know, you, you want to be in that position about three quarters into the season to determine your own destiny. And it felt like the Tigers could get there at some points. And then it all just kind of fell apart. Uh, so I think the biggest thing for them is going to be staying healthy, managing, uh, you know, both their, uh, excuse me, their, their minor leagues, managing who gets brought up, managing the trade deadline. If you are where you want to be properly, and make some moves down down the stretch and hope for the best when it comes to health because that was kind of a big bugaboo last year for him. Yeah, I think using the trade deadline this year should be an emphasis looking at, you know, some of these AAA players that are in some other positions and looking at some prospects that are coming in and look to get some deals done uh, for further down the road that could really be beneficial for this Tigers team and, and picking up some younger prospects are going to come in ready to work and complement what you already have. Uh, I don't think the Tigers have done a good enough job in the last couple of years in using the trades as, as a true tool as they had done in the past. And I think that's part of what's holding the Tigers back because they don't necessarily have the money, right? So you got to go and use young prospects and trades and things like that right. to bolster your team so it can be good enough. All right. Well, that uh, that game with the Yankees, like I said, first pitch is going to be at 105. Later today, I don't see anywhere included to, to be able to check that out, but uh, we'll keep an eye on how things go for spring training for Detroit over these uh, next three games, and then we'll get set up for the start of the regular season for the 2024 campaign for Detroit here very, very soon. So we'll take our last break and come back with our picks here on Mitten Madness, 95.3 WBCK. 95.3 WBCK. Madness 95.3 WBCK Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes We've got our picks And DJ Telemus in first This man's as excited Because <laughs> he's got a little lead For a little bit of time Man, I've been in last place for so long <laughs> Jacob <laughs> Jacob went 5-1 and one last week I went 3-3 three and three starting off the new sets, that's the records for now. <laughs> well, you got a little less enthusiasm over there. I though. mean, hey, hey, you still haven't bought my lunch yet, so I'm still technically winning. Yeah. I'm all right over here. We go get there. We go get there. I, I had to move all last weekend. You yeah, know? yeah. And then we had Why Not, which was yeah. an experience. Whew, that was fun. All right, let's get into this week's picks. We got plenty of basketball, some hockey, too. Uh, I'm going to kick things off here with my alma mater, the Alabama Crimson Tide, are ranked number 13 in the country. They're the top team in the SEC, and they're going to play the 
the the Kentucky Wildcats, who are 17th in the country, coming off of a rough loss there to LSU at the fi- in the waning seconds, did have a really big win over Auburn, but still they're middle of the pack there in a very tough SEC conference this year. Uh, this game is at Rupp Arena at 4 p.m. later today. Who's going to win? The Tide of the Cats. ESPN says your Tide are going to take this one overwhelmingly so. Oh, man. 11-2 and two record in the conference screams at me. Not even going to lie to you. I wanted to choose Kentucky because it was at home and they and they got some ballers. But I can't go against 11-2. and two. I'm, I'm going to have to take the Tide. Yeah, there ain't no chance I'm not taking the Alabama Crimson Tide. I, I've i uh, seen some some of my old buddies in Alabama sports media talk about this might be Nate Oates' best team so that he's had so far in Tuscaloosa. And they're not even the highest ranked or have the best record. Uh, yeah, give me the Tide over the Kentucky Wildcats. Which I will keep it on the college hardwood. And we'll head over to the Big 12 this time. Houston, number two in the country, taking on number 11, Baylor Bears. This one is going to be at the Foster Pavilion. That's Baylor, Waco, Texas. Houston's 4-1 and one in their last five. Baylor's 3-2. and two. Who you got taking this one? See, this one's tough uh, because I really like watching both of these teams play basketball. I like their brand of basketball. It's big. It's physical. It's mean. Um, And while Houston is the better team when it comes to the win records, the matchup predictor, and all that sort of stuff, Baylor averages nearly 10 more points per game. They average more assists and... Their their rebounds are on par. They average five less assists, but their more their percentage is almost fifty percent from the field. A lot of things really point towards the Baylor Bears, but at the same time, you look at Baylor and they've got those two losses staying in them uh, in their last five, and their wins aren't against particularly great teams outside of the the win over Oklahoma a few weeks ago. Whereas Houston's got this four game win streak. And is uh, you know the number two team in the nation. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do the wise thing here and ignore some of that that noise trying to creep in and just take the Houston Cougars. Yeah, you were really just stepping over a big number on these averages. Um, let's look at points against. Houston's only giving up 55.3 points a game. Yeah. <laughs> 55.3 points a game is crazy in this year's. Defense. In this year's NCAA. Some other years. Yeah, because these points four are really, really high. <laughs> and for, that's for every everybody. team. Yeah. The teams are scoring in bunches this year, and Houston said they're not having any of that. <laughs> I'm going with the Cougars as well. Giving up 55 a game is is just almost astronomical. But but can you hold Baylor to 55? You know what I mean? Like we they don't have it. to hold them 55 to win, but they ain't got to hold them to, to that. <laughs> they they just got to win. I, I, hey, the defense got to show up, and I think it will. I feel it. Uh, we were in agreement on both of those. I think we might be in agreement on this one too, because we're going to take uh, Michigan State against Ohio State. This one is on uh, Sunday at 4 p.m. They're in East Lansing. Both these teams coming off a loss in their most recent games, uh, but the Buckeyes are 15 and 12, 5 and 11 in the conference, and have had a rough, rough year. Oh, except for that time they beat Purdue. 
<laughs> Can the Buckeyes upset the Spartans on the road? No, not in my opinion. Uh, this game is going down in East Lansing. And, you know, Michigan State has been playing pretty decent this year. Once again, they're averaging both pretty much 75 points a game. Michigan State is exactly at 75. Ohio State's 74.6. But Michigan State is giving up four less points than Ohio State is per game. They're rebounding is average, but that assist number of 17 to 13 tells me that Michigan State moves the ball a little bit better than the Ohio State Buckeyes have been. Looking at the last three, Michigan State's three and two with really a, the only loss on here I want to look at as a true loss is Iowa. Not saying that Minnesota didn't earn that win, but a three-point win in a game like that was it was interesting. And then over on the Ohio State side, they lost to that Minnesota team by almost 10. They lost to Wisconsin, and they beat Maryland in double overtime by four. So they're just playing a really interesting season this year, and they're near the bottom of the Big Ten, so I expect them to stay there. I, I, did, I did appreciate the dramatic pause, <laughs> but I'm going to take the Spartans too. Uh, the Buckeyes are at the bottom of the Big Ten for a reason. They do have upset power. Um, but I think they used up quite a bit of that when they beat Purdue a few weeks ago. I don't think they're going to do that when a Michigan State here, especially coming off of that loss against Iowa at home, which was wholly unexpected. State needs to get back on track ahead of that Purdue game themselves and a big win here or a uh, presumptive win, I guess I should say, because I think everybody expects it, expects it to go that way, would would be beneficial to them. So give me the Spartans as well. And I'm going to keep it on the hardwood one last time before we head on over to the ice. This one's going to be the NBA this time. Two of the best out east battling it out Sunday, 1 p.m. The Bucks will travel to Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, taking on the 76ers. They're 12 and 14 on the road. 76ers 17 and 12. Bucks 35, 21. 76ers 32 and 23. I think the Bucks are first in the East and the 76ers are third. Um, so this is, you know, top battle. A couple guys are going to be out on each side, but Embiid and Damian Lillard, Tyrese Maxey, Antetokounmpo are all supposed to play. The Stars are out. Who wins this one? Uh, answer me this. Isn't Joel Embiid like the guy for MVP this year? He's one of the guys up there with Nikola Jokic, right? Yes. Who who he absolutely smacked around earlier this year, right? Yes. So he's healthy. Yes. I'm, I'm taking the 76ers. <laughs> Joel Embiid is that dude this year. I'm not gonna play around with that. I I, I respect the Bucks. Obviously, Giannis is is one of the greats, but I'm I'm gonna stick with with. Joel Embiid and all the, the talent that he has around him this year because the 76ers are for real. Ah, this one's tough for me. I don't. <laughs> without Chris Middleton, I don't see the Bucks doing it. I got to take the 76ers as well. I didn't want to do that. That's just pure honesty. Well, we, we've got two Red Wings games to, to pick from to close this thing out, and we have so far went four for four picking the same stuff. Uh, so we'll see if that's going to hold true here. Um, I have the Blues game, which is later today, so I'll give that one to you right now. Uh, the Blues are 30-24-2. and 24 and two. 
13-13-1 on the, on the road, whereas the Red Wings are 30-20-6, 16-8-5 at home. The Red Wings are pretty dominant at all LCA. Uh, both teams about midways in their division standings, but uh, I don't know. Detroit uh, did win this one back in December, 6-4. to four. DJ, who you got? I like my wings to take care of this one as well. Um, Larkin and Raymond have been fantastic so far. The D has held up their part on the backside of the ice. Patrick Kane has come in and scored goals just like they've asked him to. Um, so I don't really expect the Blues to slow us down, especially because they're an average team on the road. 13 wins, 13 losses, one loss in overtime. I, that doesn't scream anything exciting to me. Um, and the Wings have been playing great at home, 16, 8, and 5. Um, so I, I'd expect the Wings to continue that uh, great momentum and, and score a, a bunch more goals in LCA. They seem to score a lot when they're at home. Yeah, I think uh, having a chance to, to really soak in that win over the Avalanche and then come back and have a, another home game against St. Louis, who is a team that they, they can beat and should beat. I I like it. I'm going to take Detroit as well. And the last game <laughs> of the week is Sunday. The Red Wings are going on the road right down I-94, crossing a couple states. They're probably going to fly, though, actually. Um, don't matter. Same thing. To the United Center in Chicago, taking on the Blackhawks. Patrick Kane finally going to take on his old team in the United Center. I don't know if they're going to do anything for him, but it won't matter because he's going to do something for them. But maybe that's my (laughs) opinion and not yours. Are the Wings taking down the Blackhawks on Sunday? Man, come on. (laughs) The Blackhawks have 15 wins. Hell no, Chicago ain't beating Detroit. Uh, Yeah, Red Wings are going with this one. Patrick Kane's gonna probably gonna go off a little bit too. <laughs> I think this one may be closer than a lot of people will think, um, but I do think the Wings will win just because the Wings are coming off back to back. They're playing the day yeah. before at home, and then they have to travel most likely somewhat right after that game. So they're gonna be traveling like basically overnight and stuff, and and that does factor into play. So. Um, I think it'll be closer, but the Wings still come out on top, which means <laughs> we are even down the board. Houston, Alabama, double wings, MSU, and 76ers. So you can close us on out of that here. That just means I'll be in the lead next week, too. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> hey, you got to soak it in when, when, when it's been a while. You know, got to enjoy it while it lasts. I ain't mad at you. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us today. Again, those uh, those Red Wings games, uh, I believe the the one that is today at noon is on ESPN+. Plus. Be sure to check that one out. The other one's on the NHL uh, net. You got that Michigan State game on Sunday on CBS at 4. So plenty of fun stuff going on in the world of sports this weekend. Hope you enjoy it. We'll see you again next week at 10 a.m. for more Mitten Madness here on 95.3 WBCK. Join Jacob Harrison and Dejan Hughes every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. for Mitten Madness on 95.3 WBCK. Miss the show or want to play it back? Stream Mitten Madness live or on demand on the 95.3 WBCK app.